Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a holistic health coach and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, services, programs, and current ebooks. You can also find me on my other podcast, Straight Up Paleo. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at christinaricewellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and most importantly, enjoy the show. Today is an amazing day because it is the 100th episode of this podcast. Oh my God, I cannot believe there have been 100 episodes. It's crazy to me. This podcast has gone through many transitions. We started off with three co-hosts, moved down to two, then just me. I changed names once, previously actually adultish, now wellness realness. I changed cover photos three times. I changed intro music once. It's been a journey. 100 episodes is something I'm very proud of, though, and very excited to be celebrating. Thanks if you're celebrating alongside me. If you've been here for all 100 episodes, you are the real MVP. Very excited. And today I have an incredible guest as well. I wanted to make sure that the 100th episode had a kick-ass guest, and we definitely do. But before I get into introducing him, I have to tell you about how we're going to celebrate, which is with an out-of-this-world giveaway. I have been so excited about this giveaway because as I've been talking to people and figuring out what I wanted to put in it, I just realized it was going to be the most epic thing ever. And it is. For this giveaway, we will have four winners. So there will be one main prize winner and then four runners-up. But trust me, even if you're a runner-up, you are going to love all the swag you get. It's going to be epic. So let me just explain the prizes. The first thing that you're going to get is a pack of Somnifix. Obviously, I had to include this because you guys know that Somnifix has changed my life and they are sponsoring this podcast. I'm so excited that they're sponsoring this podcast because I couldn't ask for a better sponsor. If you don't know what Somnifix is, it's mouth tape, specially designed to be hypoallergenic, easy to apply and remove painlessly. And it has a little vent in the front that you can breathe through. So basically you put this mouth tape on your mouth at night or anytime you want. And it just keeps your mouth tape closed during the night. And this is optimal because it forces you to breathe through your nose. And nose breathing is actually really what we want to be doing. It's much more efficient for our bodies. And it sort of has a lot of health benefits actually to be breathing through your nose. So a lot of times people wake up during the middle of the night just because they're breathing through their mouths. And Breathing through your nose forces your body to get in that parasympathetic rest and digest state that allows you to stay calm and relaxed during the night and to sleep. If you are breathing through your mouth, you might be entering into the sympathetic fight or flight state and that cortisol spike could 
wake you up in the middle of the night. So for me, this really solved my waking up in the middle of the night issues a lot. It was a huge help. It also really helps if you snore. A lot of people snore because they're breathing through their mouths. It can also help if you get dry mouth in the middle of the night or if you drool. But just in general, we should be breathing through our noses, everybody. Um, And you might not even notice it. You might not even notice that you have any sleep problems, but if you put on this mouth tape and use it, you will probably notice that your sleep quality improves immensely. I cannot tell you how different it is when I do and don't use this mouth tape. Even on nights when I do sleep through the full night, I'm just not in such a deep state of sleep. I have really, really deep REM sleep every night. I, I remember my dreams every single night ever since using this which just kind of goes to show that I'm deep in my sleep and I sleep at least eight hours and it's amazing. I seriously love this mouth tape and I love seeing you guys wear it and try it and post pictures, selfies in it. Amazing. So keep that up and I'm going to do a blog post about it as well soon too because I just want everybody to start using this because it's a game changer. In fact, today's guest Max Lugavere, who I'll introduce more in a few minutes, is a total biohacker and really into cognitive performance, just optimizing your overall health. And he started using Somnifix too, I saw on Instagram, probably because the incredible Mike Mutzel suggested it. And that's where I heard about it as well. So this is legit, you guys. There's science behind this. Harvard researchers have studied this and I highly recommend. If you want to get your own Somnifix, go to somnifix.com and you can purchase it through there. It'll just link you to Amazon. So you can also just go straight to Amazon. And if you want 15% off, I don't know anybody else who's giving 15% off of Somnifix. If you want 15% off, use the code CRWSLEEP, S-L-E-E-P, all caps, CRWSLEEP at checkout in your Amazon cart. And there you go, 15% off. And let me know how it goes. I love it. So obviously had to include Somnifix. So the grand prize winner is going to get a pack of Somnifix. They're also going to get a 60-minute health coaching session with me, yours truly. So that will be fun. We'll set it up. 60 minutes, talk to me about anything you want. You're also going to get a copy of my ebook, hashtag no sugar, no problems, filled with completely sweetener-free desserts that are all paleo. Many are vegan. I've got cookies and cakes and cupcakes and milkshakes and brownies, ice cream, pie, all of the things in there. It's delicious. So if you're keto, low-carb, candida diet, low FODMAP, basically the idea is everybody can have dessert. So you're going to get a copy of that. You're also going to get two of my favorite Beauty Counter products, the Beauty Counter Charcoal Bar and Charcoal Mask, which I'm choosing not only because they're my, I'm going to go ahead and say that they're my favorite Beauty Counter products. They have changed my skin and my life, but also because they are pretty much everybody else's favorites too. I don't know anybody who has ever told me they don't like that product, Those both of those products. So definitely need those. I'm also going to be giving you a doTERRA Serenity oil and a doTERRA Digest Zen oil. So Serenity, if you follow me, you know I diffuse this every evening. It's great for relaxation and calming, great for anxiety. 
depression love it digest then is incredible for any and all digestive issues you can apply it to your stomach you can drink it in hot water you can put it in a cap it is just the all of our digestive aid that everybody needs in their life you are also going to get a maps fitness guide of your choice so if you listen to this podcast you know that i'm a huge fan of my boys over at mind pump i love them And I love their maps guides, their fitness guides. They're some of the only trainers in this industry that I actually trust. So you're going to get a fitness guide from them, whichever one you want. You're also going to get my favorite Vital Proteins product, which is a Vital Proteins vanilla coconut collagen. You're going to get some of my favorites from Primal Kitchen. Obviously, I had to include Primal Kitchen. So you're going to get their mayo and a full set of their new dressings. They just released a ton of delicious new dressings. They have a sesame ginger, a lemon turmeric, an Italian, vegan ranch, dreamy Italian, so many good ones. So obviously have to hook you up with that. Very excited about that. You are also going to receive, are you getting excited? Are you like out of breath? You're also going to receive some Primal Kitchen collagen bars. And next, a Tionic variety pack. So if you follow me, you know that I love my Tionic teas. They're going to send you a variety pack. So six different teas in there. They are so delicious. You're also going to get a canister of the Live 24K Golden Fuel, which is collagen golden milk latte mix. So delicious. So incredible. Ingredients on point and I'm obsessed with this stuff. So you're going to love that. All you have to do is mix it in with some milk and you have golden golden milk right there with some collagen in there. Next, you're going to get five meals from Primitive Feast. So those are those frozen paleo meals that I'm obsessed with. I always keep some in my freezer. I mean, they're delicious. They're all grass-fed. They have meatballs. They have grass-fed chili. They have chicken marsala. They have red bell pepper chicken. So many delicious meals. You're going to get five from them. I'm obsessed. Also going to hook you up with some Simple Mills. So you'll get Simple Mills pizza mix and their vanilla cake mix. Got to get that sweet and that savory. Next up, you're going to get... A set from Franklin and Whitman. So you are going to get the ultimate face care kit. And this thing is stocked. It comes with a cleansing serum, the face scrub, a botanical steam, a face mask, their face toner, and a face serum. So everything you could ever want and dream of from Franklin and Whitman because I'm obsessed with their skincare as well. All non-toxic. Amazing. You will also be receiving a full jar of Sum Tahini, some of my favorite tahini. You know my tahini addiction is way too real. And also some of their new squeeze packs, which are great for travel. Amazing. And lastly, you're going to get a homemade nut butter from my dear friend Kelly from Kelly's Clean Kitchen. She makes, she like just makes her own nut butters and sells them and I've had them and they're literally the best nut butters you will ever try in your life. Like I've never had anything like this and that's why I wanted to include them in this giveaway because they are by far the best nut butters I have ever tried. So she's going to give you the choice of either vanilla almond 
coconut vanilla or pumpkin spice cashew. You get to choose. They're all seriously insanely delicious. Obviously, no added sugars in there. Just all really high quality, clean ingredients. So that is everything the grand prize winner is going to receive. Yeah, pretty epic in my humble opinion. Then we're going to have three runners up. So if you are a runner up, you will get my ebook, hashtag no sugar, no problems. You'll get a MAPS fitness program of your choice. You'll get the Vital Proteins Matcha Collagen Travel Packs. You will also receive Primal Kitchen's Mayo, their new dressings, and some collagen bars. You will also get a Teonic Variety Pack and some of the Live 24K Golden Fuel. You'll get your Simple Mills Pizza Mix and Vanilla Cake Mix. Franklin and Whitman's Weekly Face Care Kit. And that includes a face scrub, a face mask, and a botanical steam. You will also get some Sum Tahini squeeze packs, a pack of Somnifix, of course, and a homemade nut butter of your choice from my friend Kelly Scott at Kelly's Clean Kitchen. How incredible is that? This is my way of thanking you guys. I hope that you think that this giveaway is as awesome and epic as I do. It's basically all of my favorite products and companies and everything into one. And I cannot wait for you to get all these prizes. So just my way of saying thank you for showing all of your support. It really means a lot to me. I hope that you're excited about entering. So there are a bunch of different ways that you can enter. This giveaway is unfortunately only going to be open to people in the United States. So keep that in mind. And the giveaway is going to run until March 30th. So you have until March 30th. And all of the rules and all the prizes are going to be listed on the show notes. You can find them on my website. So you don't have to memorize any of this. Don't worry. (laughs) I'm not going to give you a quiz. Okay, so there are a ton of different ways you can enter. And you can enter in all of the following ways if you want to and have multiple entries. So go ahead. So the first way you can enter is by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. Take a screenshot and send it in to podcast at christinaricewellness.com. Another way you can put an entry in there is to share the podcast on your Instagram or your Instagram stories and then send a screenshot to podcast at christinaricewellness.com. So if you post an image to your feed or post an image of you playing the podcast to your stories. Just screenshot that so I know and send it in to podcast at christinaricewellness.com. I'm also going to post a picture on my personal Instagram feed, Christina Rice Wellness, that will have a flat lay with a bunch of different products, the products in this giveaway to be specific. So find that photo and go there and the instructions will be on that picture but comment on the picture you have to like the picture you have to follow me you have to tag a friend and then in your comment tell me either what your favorite podcast episode so far has been or an idea for a future podcast episode either will work also a few of the brands might be reposting this image so If you see them repost the image on their own feeds and they tell you that you can comment or like or follow them and have an entry, then that's another sneaky way to fit in an extra entry. So I'm going to be checking everywhere to see 
where your entries are and how many times you enter. So the more the merrier. And then lastly, everybody in the Facebook group, which is Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, is automatically entered in once. So if you're in there, you're automatically entered. If you're not already in there, join. Join the party. And that's an entry already. So this giveaway, honestly, my heart is like pounding. Like this giveaway is just so epic. I mean, I guess I'm biased, but I hope you're as excited as I am. So again, all of the rules and all the prizes are in the show notes. And for those entries, you have to follow those instructions specifically. So if you leave a rating interview on iTunes and you take a screenshot and you DM it to me, it doesn't count. You have to email it to podcast at christinariceWellness.com. So follow follow the instructions please. I'm really, really excited for you guys to enter and see who wins and for you to get your prizes and give all the brands that are involved a lot of love, not only because they're just my favorite brands in general, but because they are amazing companies with amazing values. And I love to support good people. Okay. So that's the deal with the giveaway. I can't wait to see what happens in time starts now so go start entering while you're listening to this now that I've got that announcement out of the way time to roll into my guest so since today's podcast is number 100 and epic I needed an epic guest to be on this episode this week I have Max Lugavier on the podcast and if you don't know who Max is you're really missing out. So he is the author of the recently released, well, it'll officially be released tomorrow if you're listening to this the first day it comes out, but it gets released on March 20th, 2018. He's the author of Genius Foods, Become Smarter, Happier, and More Productive While Protecting Your Brain for Life. That's the full title, but it's basically just a general book on like how to optimize everything in your life, your health, your happiness, your fitness, your diet, your cognitive performance, your emotions, all of the things, just your go-to guide. And Max is somebody that I have been following for quite some time and is one of the few people in this space whose opinion I trust. He is unbiased. He is an amazing researcher. He is not only an author, but he's also a filmmaker. He's working on a film called Breadhead, which is a documentary about dementia prevention through diet and lifestyle, which is incredible. He's also a TV personality. He's a health and science journalist and just a brain food expert in general. You might have seen him on the Dr. Oz show, NBC Nightly News. He's been in the Wall Street Journal. He's contributed to Medscape, Vice, Fast Company, The Daily Beast, so many things. And if you don't follow on Instagram, you should. His handle is at Max Lugavere. He's amazing. I've been dying to have him on this podcast for a while, and he so graciously accepted my invitation. He's such a cool guy, so nice, so kind. I mean, he just really wants to help people and get real health information out there. And I think everything he's doing is incredible and He is way too humble about all the information he provides and how many lives he is helping. And he makes biohacking cool and relatable and realistic and just gives really good tips for how to feel your best. So I 
just really, really love everything he's doing. Make sure you check out his book, Genius Foods, and also head to his website to see how you can help support the creation of his film, Breadhead, which I think is an incredibly important project. You also might have, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking, you also might have seen him on the Broken Brain docu-series that Dr. Mark Hyman put together. If anybody watched that, because I was so into that, but Max was on there as well. He's awesome. So, that's my intro for him. You can find him on Insta at Max Lucavere. You can find him at maxlucavere.com. If you listen to this and you enjoyed it, tell him. Leave a comment on his Instagram. Engage. Support him. He's amazing. And without further ado, let's hop into the interview. Welcome to my podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming to my little studio. Anytime. <laughs> it's a really nice studio. This is like about the average size of a New York City one bedroom. So, I mean, you're oh, doing really? pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I, I did pretty well. I always, I try to divide it into two rooms. It's nice. So, okay, can you explain your, do you live, do you say you live in New York? I say that I'm bi-coastal. Okay, what does yeah, that mean? That means that I like to sort of have a foot in both New York and Los Angeles. That's typically what people mean when they say that they're bi-coastal. I um, used to live in LA, spent um, many of my formative adult years in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, but I moved back to New York. I'm, I grew up in New York City, and I moved back four years ago um, to be closer to my family. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I you know, I'd spent 10 years in L.A., and I was sort of coming off of a, a job, and I was spending more and more time in New York, but just what sort of... What was your job? Yeah, so I used to um, host and produce content for a TV network that Al Gore started called okay. Current TV. Um, so I was like one of the main on-air personalities of that of the network, and that's what led to me moving out to L.A. I studied film, too, actually, at University of Miami. Okay. And... Um, I made a documentary as an undergraduate that the powers that were at Current TV saw, and they essentially thought that I embodied who the network was ultimately seeking to empower, sort of like the young one-man band, passionate storyteller looking to change the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess I'm still trying to do that, actually. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so the the um, so I ended up moving to LA to work for Current TV, and uh, for five years I was sort of like an on-camera. Um, journalist, uh, you know, and my, the stories that I covered ranged from light and fluffy all the way down to like really hard nosed journalism. Um, and I got to learn a lot and it was a tremendous experience for me. It also had all the perks of living in Los Angeles and being on TV, um, which was definitely fun. But then at a certain point, the viewership kind of plateaued and I decided that it was time to move on um, and sort of take this amazing job that I had had for four years and somehow turn that into a career. And in that sort of in-between time, um, I started spending more and more time in New York City because, you know, for five years, I was only able to see my mom and my brothers in like couple day intervals, you know, whenever I would have the opportunity to break away from the, the rigorous filming schedule that I had to go and hang out in New York. And I was I would spend more and more time in New York and me and my brothers, you know, we're a very tight-knit family. We started to notice that my mom was seemingly having problems with her uh, memory mm-hmm. and her, her cognitive function. And she ultimately began to complain about it, too, having, you know, brain fog, 
which to today seems like a very common complaint. But mm-hmm. for me at that time, I had never heard of the term brain fog. I had no idea what dementia really was. Alzheimer's disease was not in my vernacular. But lo and behold, um, it turned out after visiting a slew of neurology departments around the United States that my mom was ultimately diagnosed with a neurodegenerative uh, condition. And it was at the Cleveland Clinic, I think it was like 2011, where for the first time my mom and I was with her was prescribed drugs for both Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease. And, you know, in the clinician's office, he, first of all, not once was diet or lifestyle brought up. Not that I was expecting it to be. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was a completely alien experience to me to be sitting in that office as he ran the cognitive tests with my mom that anybody with a loved one with dementia or any kind of cognitive decline will uh, recognize they're, you know, they're very surreal, these, these kinds of tests. And at the end of the appointment, he wrote down these prescriptions on a notepad and he gave them to me. Um, to go fill at the hospital drugstore with my mom. And I filled them. Later on that night, we were back at the hotel, and I started actually Googling the drug names. And I learned that they were for those two conditions, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And at that point, you know, I started to look at, you know, I, I did what most people would do. I go into the Wikipedia page, I look on WebMD, and I started hearing or seeing phrases like, you know, no disease-modifying ability, like a Band-Aid. They don't slow the progression. Alzheimer's disease, incurable. Parkinson's disease, incurable. Um, I basically had a a panic attack in that Mm -hmm. moment. It was like probably one of the darkest moments I've had in recent memory. And um, and, uh, yeah, it was horrible. And it's something that I think, you know, anybody that experiences when they get the news that a loved one is sick, especially with a condition that's, you know, incurable. So, or so they say. Or so they say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was just, uh, you know, open to, well, first of all, the trauma, that lasted a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was compounded by the fact that my mom was not old. You know, my mom is... I mean, she's 64 now, but she was 58 at the time. And even at, even today, she's, she's young. young. Yeah, yeah, she's still young. I have friends that are in their 60s. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I as soon as that, that cloud lifted, um, I basically became fixated on learning everything I possibly could about how diet and lifestyle affect dementia. I've, you know, my background, I've always been... Uh, really interested in fitness and health and nutrition. So I had sort of a bias um, for, you know, looking into diet and lifestyle, even though I had no um, reason to look there. It's certainly not something that the doctor, you know, alluded to. That's interesting. Where did that come from? Like, were you always healthy, like even at a very young age? Or was that as you got older? Yeah, no, from a, from a super young age. I, um, when I was in high school, I uh, was never good at sports, but I really took a liking to um, weightlifting. And um, I, you know, was kind of an introvert computer programmer type. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I found that the, the same feedback loops that drew me to programming at a young age also were present in fitness. Like, you know, you are able to debug problems in your health. You're able to, like, implement new training strategies and things like that. And then... One day, by my school in New York City, where I went to high school, 
there was like a mom and pop supplement store that opened up and uh it wasn't like a gnc it was like a it was like sort of an independent supplement place and the guy behind the counter was always there and he was very knowledgeable and i walked into the store one day and something clicked in my brain where i just saw all the supplements that were lining the shelves as like potions to become a superhuman version of myself. Mm -hmm. It could have something to do with the fact that I was obsessed with superheroes and comic books growing (laughs) up, that I actually had always wanted to be a superhero. And so seeing these supplements kind of like made me think that, you know, they were these like magical potions that, you know, were able to like transform me into, you know, being a super version of myself. And that combined with just the science aspect, which, which, you know, right away drew me in. Um, yeah, from from a very young age, I was obsessed. In fact, my high school graduation uh, thesis, I wrote on creatine, which is like a popular sports. I was supplement. just gonna ask you, what was your favorite, your first like favorite supplement that you fell in love with? Was it yeah. creatine? Man, I don't know. I did. I used to do so much self experimentation back in the day. I mean, when I was in high school, I stumbled upon a book called The Ketogenic Diet by Lyle McDonald, who mm-hmm. is. Um, you know, I discovered him in like... You were such an OG. Yeah, like, major, so, major okay, OG. I love it. I was like in the news groups. I think it was like Alt Fitness or like one of those. I don't even know if news groups are around anymore. But um, yeah, I stumbled upon uh, upon ketogenic diets and I would start experimenting with those. I remember, um, yeah. That's so interesting that like, okay, so wait, in high school you stumbled across this? High school, like early high school. Yeah. Oh my god. I think gosh. it was like tenth grade. That is that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. I was really into I just thought it was so cool that you could eat things and not eat certain things and do things in the gym that yeah. literally transformed your body and the way you felt. And, you know, speaking to more to that, I definitely growing up in New York City, um, I would always feel my um my spirits start to decline in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that I suffered from seasonal affective disorder, which is when you, um, you know, your mood suffers due to the reduced sun exposure that you get in the winter months. And I definitely noticed that um, exercise was one of the most powerful tonics that I could give myself for my mood. That and vitamin D. I actually uh, self-prescribed vitamin D because I realized that vitamin D um, is you know, one of the nutrients that your body sort of misses out on with the reduced sun exposure because your skin creates vitamin D in response to the UVB rays from the sun. And, you know, that combined with the exercise definitely made me feel better. And now we actually have science from um, Children's Hospital Research Institute, Oakland, uh, or Children's, I forget the order of the, it's the, the Corey Hospital up in Oakland. They published research last year where they found that vitamin D is actually really instrumental in the synthesis of serotonin mm-hmm. from its um, tryptophan precursor. So it's like all these, I was like, obsessed with all these things, trying to make myself feel better, um, taking fish oil. I remember I did a diet once where um, I did two pretty crazy diets. One was like all I ate was protein powder and flaxseed oil. That sounds horrible. Yeah, for like two, I think it was called like the fat fast diet or something like that. I don't even remember. I just, I tried it, you know, I was like a self-experimenter. And then I became obsessed with uh, like, I found the easiest way to get lots and most economical way of getting lots of high quality whole food protein was tuna. Mm -hmm. So I would literally stock my bedroom. My mom, like mercury, I don't think so. I think I was fine. And I think I think I think the science. I think on, you would know by now. I think I would know by now. Yeah, 
Um, but I definitely, there was a period of a couple months where I was eating like a can a day at least. Oh my gosh. Um, sometimes two cans. Yeah. I would like stockpile it in my room. Yeah. My mom would laugh at me. She thought I was nuts. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, so I kind of like, <laughs> so I've had this obsession my whole yeah. life and it was kind of like the perfect substrate for, you know, for me to sort of really dive into and do the research on trying to figure out what my mom had. It was mm-hmm. an obsession that really found a, um, it found a purpose, mm-hmm. you know, I could say, um, when my mom got sick. And it's something that continues to this day, that obsession, because I see dementia all the time in my mom. Mm-hmm. And it also, I think, just as a science communicator, and for anybody like listening who wants to get into communicating research and science, you know, it's having a, a parent suffering from dementia, it keeps me, it keeps me honest, mm-hmm. like 100%. You know, I see so much misinformation out there on the internet, so much just like irresponsible messaging in terms of science, particularly around awful diseases that create so much suffering in people's lives mm-hmm. that the way, you know, I feel at once a, a, a massive sense of optimism and I feel so compelled to share what I know and all the research that I've uncovered, but at the same time, being really careful with the kind of hope that I provide to people, you know? Mm-hmm. So like some people will throw around that, you know, there's evidence that Alzheimer's is a reversible condition. There's no good evidence to say that Alzheimer's is a reversible condition, but these are the headlines that you see when doing research on health-related topics. Yeah. So. How is your mom doing? I mean, she's doing all right, but I mean... When I say all right, it's only because I've gotten used to it. It's a Uh horrible, horrible condition. You know, my conversation with her has been severely affected. Um, It's caused tension in my family. It's just a, it's not great. Um, Is she, does she like know what you're doing? Yeah, she knows. And how does she feel? She knows, yeah. I mean, a lot of people ask me if she knows who I am. She knows who I am, yeah. She, I mean, she has. She doesn't have Alzheimer's disease, so her, her, um, the trajectory of what she has is a little bit less um, clear. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we were able to talk and and you know spend quality time together. Just being mm-hmm. around her children makes her happy, and so we love to be around her. Um, but, you know, my mom was, I guess, somebody who you would consider a high performer. She ran a business. She raised three kids. She's, you know, cognitively a fraction of, of what she used to be. And it's just really sad. Do you, do you feel like you wish you had done this years ago? I do mean... Do you think that would have made a difference? You know, I do... Well, yeah. I think... Over the course of writing Genius Foods, I've learned so much about nutrition and so much about what, um, you know, what my mom did wrong, mm-hmm. but also the degree to which she was victimized by the government dietary recommendations of the past 50 years, the medical system as it's currently set up, um, and so yeah, I mean, I kind of in a way wrote the book that I wish that she had had, but there was no way for me to have really known all of this. Yeah. I wouldn't have cared, you know, if not for what has happened to my mom. So in a way, you know, as much as my my work is about um, science and meeting science, I feel like it's very much an, an artistic expression as well, because mm-hmm. it's a way for me to deal with the pain that, you know, it is seeing what my mom has gone through. Mm-hmm. Um 
but also, you know, it's not, it's not just about my mom. It's also about the myriad of ways in which diet and lifestyle actually make your brain work better in the here and now. So, I mean, like there are insights written into genius foods that, um, I wish that I had as a child Uh because of the way in which it is able to, you know, boost executive function, which is really important for success. Mm -hmm. Um, even more so probably than your IQ. Um, and I definitely struggled with executive function growing up. I told you I was an introvert computer programmer. I always had difficulty um, making good grades in schools, even though I was always in the gifted or honors program. I My grades were never very good. And that's actually one of the reasons why, despite always having this passion for health, I didn't go into medicine because I just what never felt like I would be, even though I was, I felt like intellectually, I was always able to keep up mm-hmm. in terms of my ability to focus and tune out distraction. It was always really difficult for me. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't think that I'd be able to keep up with the with the academic rigor that medical school requires. It's probably a blessing in disguise, though. You know, get dragged into the system. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I battle with all the time. Like I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of uh, I've encountered a lot of bad doctors um, but as a field, I think it's an incredible profession. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, at its at its core, I think medicine is a is an incredible um, field, and you know, I would love to have that uh, that knowledge base. On the other hand, I've able I've been able to attain a huge knowledge base um, on topics that doctors are not experts in. So, mm-hmm. nutrition, for example, is a perfect mm-hmm. um, perfect example of that. And at the end of the day, I've been able to influence so far, you know, I've been lucky and fortunate enough to be able to influence enough people where I feel like I am already making a difference in people's health. Mm-hmm. So, Okay, so I want to start talking about actual things. Okay. <laughs> actual nutrition things Let's do it. that you've learned. Lay it on me. Is there, what it was like the biggest change that you ever made in terms of nutrition that you felt like really helped with your cognitive performance? Is there anything Man. that stands out? Yeah, well, I would say definitely I was a big uh, believer in breakfast. I used to eat, you know, as soon as I woke up pretty mm-hmm. much. And my breakfast would usually um, be some combination of, you know, whole wheat bread, mm-hmm. eggs, butter, things like that. Uh, or maybe even not butter. I think, you know, there was definitely a time when I was using like the low cholesterol butter. Nice. I was, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Um, Well, part of that goes back to my upbringing. My mom was always really afraid of heart disease. So it's one of the reasons why growing up, I never saw her eat eggs. Uh Um, And so, yeah, so I, you know, I I always kind of based my diet around the notion that every meal had to include a grain. And I would kind of eat breakfast every single day. And I would always find myself, first of all, starving well before lunchtime. So always leading to, you know, having some kind of snack to keep my blood sugar up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as soon as I got rid of breakfast, for one, Mm -hmm. before I even got into um, dialing up or down, you know, various macronutrients, I, um, yeah, I started to realize that I I was a lot more focused in the morning without eating. Mm -hmm. And there's really good evidence to back that up, actually. They just discovered that um, a neurotransmitter becomes boosted called orexin A, which is actually responsible for alertness. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense, like from an evolutionary standpoint, that you would become more sharp um, when food ceased to be around because we would obviously need to find our next meal. Mm-hmm. If we got dumber uh, the minute food ceased to be available, we wouldn't have made it very far as a species. So the minute I caught 
breakfast out of my, um, you know, out of my diet, um, I definitely started to feel better, more, uh, alert and more, um, you know, just, I, my energy was much more stable. Mm-hmm. And I also started to question my reliance on grains as an energy, energy source. I mean, grains, especially in their most commonly consumed form are, you know, energy dense and nutrient poor, especially when compared to dark leafy greens and things like that. So once I started to eat a lower carb diet and saved grains as sort of like an uh, occasional indulgence as opposed mm-hmm. to a mainstay in my diet, again, my energy levels just continued to um, reach a sort of, um, you know, I guess like a, a, a peak Mm-hmm. without wavering much throughout the day, which I thought was really um, interesting. I felt less hunger. Um, what do you what do you consider to be a low carbohydrate diet? Well, you know, I eat I, like I eat foods that contain carbs. I'm not carb phobic and mm-hmm. I'm certainly not one for, you know, low carb zealotry in any sense, but I you know, dark leafy greens I think are packed with carbs in multiple forms you know mm-hmm. there's uh they come complete with complex carbs but also carbs in the form of fiber mm-hmm. that dietary fiber is actually um even though it's a carb when it enters your mouth technically you actually absorb it as fat because it, it becomes fermented by your microbiota and they basically squirt out these short chain fatty acids butyrate being one of them very powerful anti-inflammatory and that gets consumed by the cells by some of the cells in your large intestine so it's actually funny that by eating a fiber rich meal it's actually a high fat meal whether or not you even put any oil on it so um so yeah i do um occasionally you know go for sweet potatoes and i'll have some rice but i try to time the intake of that stuff into i try to time it so that it's in the post-workout window mm-hmm. um generally speaking you want to concentrate all the carbs that you're going to eat throughout the day in one meal if possible mm-hmm. rather than have it spread out throughout the day which keeps your instant your insulin chronically ele- elevated throughout the course of the day Um, And then in the post-workout window, you have the added benefit of something called insulin-independent glucose uptake. So your muscles literally become like a sponge pulling glucose from your bloodstream, um, which allows you to go back into perhaps a fat-burning state, if that's what your goal is. But certainly when it comes to the brain, the brain loves to use ketones for fuel. Ketones Mm -hmm. are a byproduct of fat metabolism. And when insulin is elevated, ketone production basically comes to a grinding halt. So... You don't need to be in ketosis to lose weight. I mean, a calorie deficit of any kind is sufficient to lose weight. But when it comes to the brain, I am pretty convinced that by allowing your brain to use ketones for fuel at least some of the time, it's a very positive thing. Are there any downsides to a long-term ketogenic diet? Well, I mean, interestingly, there's not a good, there's not a lot of research on people being in ketosis long-term. But I would say... Um, I would wager to say it's probably not ideal to be in ketosis long-term, unless obviously you're dealing with a, you need to be in it for medical reasons. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I recommend Ingenious Foods intermittent ketosis broken by eating carb-rich foods to p- replenish your muscles with stored sugar. Mm-hmm. Again, in that post-workout window, that's really important to keep muscle, uh, 
your muscles filled with stored sugar, which which they call upon when you're doing high intensity exercise, which mm-hmm. is really important. We now know the value of high intensity exercise for brain function. Obviously, it's really important for growing muscle. Keeping muscle, retaining muscle becomes increasingly difficult as you age. So anything we can do to, to build and, and retain muscle, very important. Um, but Talk more about exercise. Yeah. What are your recommendations? For exercise? Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of, I lo- you know, I, I have a bias towards weightlifting, uh-huh. but the research really seems to, you know, stand by me uh-huh. um, in terms of uh, showing that it really benefits the brain as well. First of all, having bigger muscles on your body, whether you're a male or female, provides a, a greater ability to dispose of glucose. So mm-hmm. that means when you do choose to eat starch your foods, you have... A place for that glucose to go. Mm-hmm. Your liver only, you know, has a, a highly limited capacity of storing about 100 grams of sugar, but your muscles have a virtually, I mean, I'm not going to say unlimited, you can store about 400 grams of, of sugar um, in your muscles, depending on how much muscle tissue you have. But, um, but yeah, so building muscle really important. There's a strong relationship between um, lower and upper body strength and brain health, mm-hmm. brain volume, brain function. Um, and so, yeah, at the end of the day, the same stimulus that's going to lead to bigger muscles and help you look better naked also works on your brain cells. Mm-hmm. So what get to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Lift weights, get to the gym, big compound movements. Um, I'm a fan of doing yoga. You know, as, if, as long as you can add progressive resistance to your yoga training, uh-huh. I know it's a little bit harder because it's body weight. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of yoga. Um, what about high intensity interval training? Yeah, I love that. I love high intensity interval training and you can actually boost cardiorespiratory fitness, which is a very positive thing Mm -hmm. and directly related to better brain function with, um, high intensity exercise in about a fifth the time as steady state cardio, Mm -hmm. like running on a treadmill. So it's a much more efficient way of boosting your overall fitness. Um, I happen to love my gym has battle ropes. Uh-huh. So like you swing those big heavy ropes yeah. up and down and that's that's a really good workout. There's this new machine that's like a it mimics skiing. I'm a big fan of that. Um and yeah, I mean I love I do happen to love weightlifting and I think you know guys tend to be really into weightlifting. Yeah. I think it's an underrated uh exercise modality for women. Mm-hmm. You know, I, at least some of the females that I know are afraid of getting too bulky. Like the G.I. Jane look, yeah, you know, but it's not I, it's, gonna it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been lifting weights my whole life trying <laughs> yeah. to get jacked and it's yeah. like a hard process, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like nowhere near, you look at some of these like Instagram profiles and these dudes have like 12 packs and yeah. I'm like, how? But. So how often do you recommend people do each of these? I go to the gym. Um. I mean, I try to, I'm, I'm actually in the gym five days a week, mm-hmm. um, if not more. If one day I'm doing high intensity interval training, um, the next day I'll focus specifically on weightlifting mm-hmm. and doing big compound movements, trying to get my lifts up. The next day I'll go and do active recovery. So I'll do some stretching, maybe light yoga. Um, all throughout the day, I'm trying to move as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. This is really important because um, I'm not a big believer in doing cardio uh, especially on a treadmill. I think it's boring. Um, you know, I'm cause it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, so look, some people love it. I'm not a runner. I, think I don't, you're lying. 
to you themselves. Think? I think so too. <laughs> Honestly, nobody ever looks that happy yeah, on a treadmill. Yeah, I know. It's, everybody looks like they're gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm one of those people on a treadmill. I'm just the most miserable person in the world. And so I try to just go on brisk walks. I try to ride my bike wherever I can. Um, mm-hmm. But movement in general is really underrated. You know, we we move, we help mobilize fluids in our bodies that don't have their own heart to pump them around. So our lymphatic fluid is a good example of that. We now know that it's connected, our lymphatic duct is uh, connected directly to the brain. And this is sort of the body's waste disposal mechanism. So we want to keep moving. We want to keep, um, you know, just kind of imbue your day with movement. I think it's really important. Are you a f- are you a fan of this ten thousand steps a day thing? I don't know what that is. What is that? Is that like a meme? Or you something? haven't heard this? No. Just like you have to get ten thousand steps a day in. Is that like an Apple Watch kind of thing? Or it's like, like every step tracker. Oh really? Gold stars. And this originated, I believe, just some Japanese marketing tactic to get people to buy something to get more steps in. Wow. But now it's become kind of like the standard. Everybody's trying to get 10,000 wow. at least. I mean, I'm all for <laughs> anything that gets people to be more active, but I certainly... But what my problem with it is I'm like you. I'm like really into just like moving, like try and like move. And it has turned into people saying okay, I sat all day today and I need 10,000 steps, so I'm going to go walk for three hours and get... And I'm like, at that point, you just did cardio. Like, you just did, like, low-intensity steady-state cardio for, like, three hours. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I was just curious what you thought. No, I'm a huge fan of walking. I just don't know... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, well, I, it's hard to hate on it because it's getting people to, to yeah, no, get exactly. out there. Yeah, no, exactly. That's how know. I feel, but... Yeah. It just, people are like, I'm like, the point is to throughout the day, not just be sitting yeah. all day, yeah. not to get to this. Like if you get hit 9,500 steps, you're not going to like die versus if you did 10,000, right. you know, totally. that's what it's kind of turned into. Totally. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I certainly, when I'm in LA, I don't take 10,000 steps. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm lucky if I take 10. Yeah. I know. <laughs> LA is bad. Okay. Something else that I would love for you to talk about is the effects of over-exercising on gut permeability. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the time you see with these ultra-marathoners that they have inflammation, um, which coincides with increased gut permeability. We know that just a single bout of acute psychological stress can promote a more porous gut lining. So that's one of the problems with, with first of all, overtraining in general. Um, but chronic cardio is that it can cause cortisol to become chronically elevated that actually draws blood away from your intestines Mm -hmm. it affects the way that you digest food um so it's not a good thing i'm not you know i'm not a big fan of uh chronic anything (laughs) really you know i think i think everything that's a you know we need to embody the sort of yin and yang um that chinese philosophers have so eloquently described so many thousands of years ago because you know, we need periods of rest and we need periods of excitement. We need, you know, periods of strenuous, stressful activity, like mm-hmm. in, you know, what we aim for in the gym. And then we need to recover from that. And I think what happens when people become obsessed, uh, you know, whether it's the 10,000 step phenomena or um, anything else, is that it's really about uh, balance um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day between feeding and being fit and being fasted, between um being excited and and functioning in a excitatory state and being in a state of inhibition um 
So, so talking about fasting a little bit more. So yeah. you intermittent fast every day. Yeah, I try to. I don't obsess over the numbers. I know a lot of people on Instagram, whenever I post anything about um, intermittent fasting, people are like, well, what are what hours do you, you know, they need to know. For? They need to know, yeah. <laughs> what I tell people in the book is that, look, let's just simplify and make clear the whole point of intermittent fasting. And that is simply to regain a state of balance between being in a fed and a fasted state, an anabolic or a catabolic state. And so what I recommend to people is just simply don't eat for two to three hours after you wake up and try not to eat for two to three hours before you go to bed. I mean, part of that has to do with the fact that when we're feeding, we're in an anabolic state, essentially, you know, mm-hmm. insulin becomes elevated, uh, which is the body's chief anabolic hormone. And so, you know, that's when we're, that's when we're fed. Today, we're chronically fed. We're eating from sunup till sundown. But when we wake, when we wake up in the morning, we have this benefit of having the body's chief catabolic hormone elevated, and that is cortisol. So cortisol today has become sort of bastardized because it's associated with stress. It becomes elevated um, when we're experiencing stress, and chronic stress is a pervasive phenomena today. So many mm-hmm. people are dealing with chronic stress, and that causes cortisol to become chronically elevated, and we've sort of demonized cortisol for that reason. But it's not the cortisol that's the problem. It's the stress. Mm-hmm. In the morning... Cortisol is the highest that it's going to be throughout the day for about 45 minutes after you wake up. And cortisol is the body's chief catabolic hormone. So what does that mean? It means that that hormone is liberating stored fuels for use. That includes fats, sugars. Um, It's actually the ultimate fat-burning hormonal environment in the Mm -hmm. morning that is great for our waistlines, obviously, and also for our brains. And too often we thwart that by reaching for, you know, the bowl of oatmeal or the glass of orange juice Mm -hmm. as soon as we wake up. So I don't have a problem with breakfast. I certainly love breakfast foods, but there's no need to eat first thing in the morning. I think push it to an hour, two hours. Don't get hung up over the time period. Just, you know, realize that there's no physiological need to eat first thing in the morning. Yeah. Do you think there's anyone, though, that shouldn't be... Intermittent fasting or fasting? Um, you know, everybody's different. People have various, uh, um, you know, ways in which they respond to intermittent fasting. A lot of um, female followers that I have tell me that they uh, do better with shorter fasts, mm-hmm. um, which from an evolutionary standpoint to me makes sense. Uh, that women would be more sensitive to signals of food scarcity. Um, But, you know, a lot of the research on fasting is done in men. So it's not the kind of thing where I have black and white definitive answers. It's just ultimately the kind of thing that there is no one-size-fits-all protocol. You just kind of have to experiment and and see what works for you. Yeah. I think it's really different for men and women, especially because most of my audience are girls who are, 20 hmm. haven't had their period in three years hmm. under eat and overtrain. <laughs> yeah you know and that's going to be very different than i don't know a man yeah. who's not hormonally fucked up <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean everybody yeah everybody's different and that's i think the problem with the online health community is that 
there's there's there are a lot of people out there that prescribe these protocols for their followers that um, they just assume because it has worked for them that it's going to work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm I try to be as careful as I possibly can about making that mistake. And I think I think my followers know that. Um, you know, we have different genders, we have different genes, we have different fitness levels, different um, cultural yeah. backgrounds to which we bring to every meal. Um, so it makes me glad. I feel like people are becoming more aware of the fact that they can, you know, change their lifestyle, their diet to affect their health in a positive way. And they, now people are understanding that this is real, but it's turned into now people are just desperate for the information and it's turned into copy fest they just they see it and they're just going to copy it and they're not you know trying to understand the nuances in terms of their own life yeah so i mean the internet yeah i mean look i love the internet because it's brought (laughs) me to you and you know and and other people that have connected with me which i'm super grateful for um but i think at the same time it's also become really important um to know where you're getting your information from um you know there's a lot of people in the fitness world that have hundreds of thousands of followers that are like you know if it fits your macros you can yeah. eat it so they you know as long as you can eat a burger king happy meal or i guess that's mcdonald's you can mm-hmm. eat a burger king value meal <laughs> um you know and as long as it fits your macros and you're you know coming in at a calorie deficit then go for it usually they'll kind of clarify in the in the caption um you know what will they, they though not not all the time so i think it's like a little it's a little frustrating um you know so i'm trying not to you know i guess go for like the 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 huge following um with sensationalist graphics i'm trying to be as as responsible as i can with communicating the science um yeah can we talk more about macros yeah. Let's start with my favorite fat. Fat. <laughs> so you are a believer in high fat diet. Yeah, I'm a believer in a high fat diet, but I'm not. A, I'm not necessarily a believer in a high added fat diet. Okay. So, um, explain more. Yeah. So I think that when you're eating a low carb diet, by necessity, the majority of the calories that you consume are going to come from fat mm-hmm. because fat has nine calories per gram. It's a lot more difficult to make up your calorie intake with protein it's just harder and protein is also the most satiating macronutrient so we're gonna eat a lot less if all we're doing is eating protein so for most people that are implementing a low carb high fat diet you're gonna end up eating most of your calories from fat and i think that that's a that's a good thing because fat doesn't stimulate insulin um there is a lot of good research on certain kinds of fats and how those fats can improve our health so for example Uh, The only oil that I use for the majority of my um, cooking and dressing of my foods, whether it's salads or eggs or or what have you, is extra virgin olive oil. Um, I'll use saturated fats for higher heat cooking. Mm -hmm. Um, But generally speaking, I'm not, you know, I'm not going crazy with the butter, with the ghee. I'm not putting coconut oil in my smoothies, um, (laughs) which has become really trendy these days. But, you know, not only does that add calories, but I'm not sure, you know, with all of us being different, some of us don't respond as well to eating a lot of saturated fat. So it kind of bothers me that, you know, now that the pendulum has swing in the direction of, well, fat's back, Mm -hmm. you know, let's have a fat free for all. There are still a fair amount of people that I highly respect that don't believe that 
eating an excess of saturated fat is good for all people. Mm -hmm. Certainly some people can do really well on eating a high saturated fat diet. Mm -hmm. But it just goes back to the fact that there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all diet. So I think it takes a little bit of self-experimentation, maybe looking into your genes, using a service like 23andMe, for example. Um, If someone uses that, um, do you... You know how they have websites that sort of interpret that information yeah, for you? Do yeah. you have one that you recommend? Uh, I do not. I do not. Okay. Um, Never mind then. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I've done it through a few different ones. Well, um, oh yeah. But I just, I don't know what I think. Well, whatever. That's besides the point. Well, I think I think one of the major reasons for that is that we're just the very tip of the iceberg in terms of understanding. Yeah. We don't know shit compared mm-hmm. to like what we probably will know in 20 years. Um, but... Yeah, just going back to the fat thing, you know, no, on the other hand, no matter, even though everybody's different, no matter who you are, um, there's just no good evidence on, you know, your average person consuming a lot of ghee, for example, and having an improvement in health. Mm-hmm. Whereas you can say that there's a, a strong body of evidence um, supporting extra virgin olive oil as the mm-hmm. primary oil. So no matter who you are, um, I think that extra virgin olive oil is a perfect prescription as as a dietary fat that you can consume liberally and then use the other fats for higher heat cooking. That's mm-hmm. really the, the recommendation that I make in Genius Foods. I think that, well, the other thing that's interesting is with the keto craze going on, kind of going back, it's just like add all the fat, add all the butter, add all the bacon, add everything. But And there's this whole camp of people who are like, if you're in ketosis, calories don't matter. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? That you can eat as much fat as you want. It depends on your goals. If your goals are to lose weight, then yeah, calories matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have a bit of a metabolic advantage uh, when you're on a ketogenic diet, as well as the fact that you know you're eating higher protein foods and foods that are not really stimulating insulin so much. So you're going to be satiated. There was a, a really good study that was just published, and I forget. Um, you know, I forget where it was published, but I know that I tweeted it. But it was basically about how people that were um, eating a uh, basically an unlimited ketogenic diet, they mm-hmm. were not told to limit their calorie intake. They ended up losing weight or improving their body composition even better than people that were told to um, watch their calories but consume a more balanced diet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a thermic effect when we consume protein, meaning that protein actually our bodies burn calories to digest protein and protein is satiating. There's this hypothesis. It's called the protein leverage theory that states that we basically uh, will eat until we meet our protein requirements. So protein as a satiating thing, I think is really important. And then what you do with your fat and carbs really ultimately depends on if you're trying to lose weight, gain weight or maintain your weight. Mm -hmm. In terms of protein recommendations, that's another thing. I feel like some people have gotten really afraid of protein because they want to be in ketosis and then people are telling them not to eat very much protein. Yeah. What do you think about like protein recommendations? I don't, I, you know, this, you're right. The standard ketogenic diet recommends, I think it's about 15% of your calories to come from protein, but I'm, I don't really, you know, I think if you're, especially if you're doing a decent amount of weight training, which I recommend, Uh Um, I think it's important to keep your protein intake up. Um, Is it going to immediately convert to sugar? No. <laughs> if you eat too much protein? No. 
<laughs> Especially not if you if your body requires amino acids for mm -hmm. muscle protein synthesis. So, which is to you know build new muscle, which is very important. Um, yeah. So I'm not. It's also I think it's it's really difficult to overeat protein. It's yeah. the most expensive macronutrient for most people. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I think that there's probably some truth to it. Um, but it's not something that I really concern myself with too much. Did you ever go through a, did you ever try being a vegan? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious. No. What, can you explain why not? Um, I just never had the sense that it was the right move for health. Why not? Um, man, it just, it just <laughs> never occurred to me that, um, like animal products could be unhealthy. Like people claim that they're unhealthy. Mm -hmm. There's really no good evidence to say that they're unhealthy. There are links, but you know, doing research on meat at the population level is very difficult to do. Um, so just from the, from the, a mechanistic standpoint, it just never made sense that meat would be unhealthy. I, I've never, you know, so there have been periods in my life where I've probably eaten um, too much, you know, relative to other things that I was eating. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I, um, it's, it's not something, yeah. I actually once dated a vegan. Um, it was, it was the only time I'd ever dated a vegan. And, was it hard? Um, well, it was hard, but <laughs> it was mostly hard because when we go to vegan date restaurants, I would always like end up with a stomach ache. <laughs> <laughs> and it would make the date really unsexy because, you know, you just you go to a restaurant and over the course of a meal, you've probably consumed 75 grams of fiber, yeah. which if you're not like eating a vegan diet, you're like not used to. Uh -huh. And so that made the relationship pretty difficult. Um, <laughs> I'm really I think that this whole ke vegan keto thing. Have you seen this going around? This is the new thing. And no, vegan I'm just keto. like. I can't, or um, have you seen Dr. Will Coles coming out with that book, Keto Ketotarian? No. Oh, yeah. That's cool. I'm super curious to see what all of these... Ketotarian, wow. All these come out. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. People are just trying to wow. fit everything into that box. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of books on keto. Um, yeah, my friend Mark Sisson just put out a book, The Keto Reset Diet. Like, there's, there's a lot. And I talk about keto a lot in Genius Foods, but mm -hmm. I really want people to understand why they ought to experiment with ketosis. Mm -hmm. And I also don't think that you, as I mentioned earlier, you don't, you don't need to be in ketosis all the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think a greater goal is to reestablish metabolic resilience in the body where you could be in ketosis and then you could be not in ketosis and then you go right back into being ketosis. Yeah. Um, which to me mimics uh, what it makes sense that we might have experienced for the vast majority of our of our evolution yeah you know when food cease to be around we know that when we're not fat adapted we become irritable once carbs cease to be around right mm -hmm. and that just doesn't make sense from an evolutionary standpoint so to me i really try to look through everything look at everything through an through an evolutionary lens yeah and to me it makes a lot of sense that when you're when you're metabolically flexible when you're starting from a place of being a fat burner um you're able to go longer periods without eating and feel fine. Mm -hmm. And that to me makes a lot of sense. It's also how I want to, I want to be, I don't, you know, I want to feel like I, you know, I don't want to be chained to my I hunger. Feel stable throughout the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I used to feel chained to my food. Yeah. Essentially. So, so this book is, 
I mean, primarily targeted about like cognitive performance. It's, I mean, it's definitely, that's how it's packaged, but it's also. But it's really just about overall. Yeah. It's basically an, it's an owner's manual for the human body. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, if you consider that the rest of our bodies really exist just to kind of walk our brains around, mm-hmm. um, it's a, yeah, it's a guide to living. I mean, it's, it's, I kind of, you know, I read the book, uh, Sapiens, uh-huh. um, which was an incredible book. And I read it a couple months before I started writing Genius Foods. And so I think in a way that helped inform a lot of my writing style. It's really written to bring evolution into the fold and to really kind of um, illustrate the kind of diet and lifestyle that we might have consumed during which our brains evolved. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're each heir to this incredible birthright you know the the flagship product of darwinian evolution the human brain and the modern diet is just undermining it at every turn so through the lens of evolution in genius foods it's you know this highly prescriptive actionable guide to really reclaim that genetic birthright through the choices that we make Mm -hmm. is there say someone is following a paleo diet cyclical ketogenic is there more in there that will help them enhance their life yes okay yeah it's genius foods is not paleo it's not keto Uh it's not lchf i mean there are elements of it that are Uh that overlap certainly Uh but it's a synthesis of the latest um and best research on cognitive function and cognitive health and really what um you know the things that you can do today to support your best brain Okay, tell me your three favorite brain-boosting foods and then the three worst. Oh, man. All right. Spot. Well, it's easy for me because I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the cover of the book. Um, Cheater. <laughs> I would say... All right, I'll, I'll talk about one that's actually not on the cover of the book. So I recently wrote uh, a PDF on um, what I call the 11th genius food, mm-hmm. which wasn't included in the book because it really only dawned on me that this is actually a genius food. Uh, after the book was finished, but mushrooms. Mm. So I'm a big fan of um, all sorts of mushrooms, portobello mushrooms, but it was recently found that mushrooms are actually a very high, um, they contain a very high amount of two really important antioxidants in the body. One is ergothionine and the other is glutathione. Mm -hmm. So they're very high natural sources of these two antioxidants, um, porcini mushrooms being the highest. And people that consume mushrooms habitually have a 20% reduced risk for developing dementia. So very interesting stuff. They're also packed with minerals and vitamins. Um, So mushrooms would definitely be uh, a favorite of mine. Um, Avocado, you know, avocado, I would say definitely a huge fan. Avocados to me are the perfect genius food because they contain really important brain boosting compounds called carotenoids Mm -hmm. and they're also a very high healthy fat food which you're you actually require to absorb those carotenoids um it's an amazing source of potassium and dietary fiber so i try to eat a half to a whole avocado every single day um and then i would say you know i gotta go with the dark leafy greens Mm -hmm. um consuming dark leafy greens related to up to 11 years of reduced cognitive aging, according to a, a new Rush University study. Um, so I try to eat a, uh, 
people on my Instagram make fun of me because I, I think they think it's funny, but um, I try to eat a huge daily salad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I try big to... Big ass salad. Big ass salad, yeah. <laughs> pack it. It's a big... It's a rule that I have set for myself because you get to check off so many of your nutritional boxes. Uh-huh. Um, so I try to fill it with things like spinach, arugula, extra virgin olive oil, which is another genius food. Um, and yeah, every single day, really good source of prebiotic fiber for your microbes. Uh-huh. Well, do you what are your thoughts on nightshades and lectins yeah i'm going there yeah let's go there um (laughs) you know i it's i do not i eat tomatoes and i eat bell peppers Uh so i'll just start there Uh um and i'll also occasionally throw chia seeds in my smoothie um when i decide to have a smoothie uh i think that the problem that many people um may think they feel when they consume lectins I'm not sure if it's the lectins or it's the fact that lectins are now being consumed in a state of poor gut health by so many people. Um, I have a theory that the same goes for gluten. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we should probably be more resilient to these compounds because a lot of the most beneficial compounds in plants are actually there to kill us. Mm -hmm. You know, like polyphenols are some of the most valuable nutrients and they're actually insect antifetans. They're there as sort of natural pesticides and herbicides that these plants develop to ward off predators. So plants don't want to be eaten. That's why they develop lectins um, and gluten is a type of lectin. But again, you know, we're robust, when we're robust enough, I think that we should be resilient against the however minor insults from these foods yeah um obviously if you're celiac you you know it's a different story um you have to avoid gluten but uh but yeah the fact that we're consuming so much uh gluten today it's in you know first of all we're eating we're over consuming wheat gluten you know processed foods are fortified with gluten um it's just crazy. And it's about what we're not eating and about the drugs that we're taking that are all leading to a disrupted gut microbiome that's mm-hmm. leading to, you know, an exacerbated response to these compounds. That's a, it's a theory. You know, I don't, there's not a ton of good research on lectins and particularly all these various facets. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, the plant paradox has made quite a few people afraid of zucchini. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Well, look, you know, St- Stephen, <laughs> Stephen Gundry is a brilliant guy. And it's okay, I think, to disagree with somebody. Um, That's kind of how science works. You know, there's an inherent um, conflict. You know, that conflict breeds evolution, Mm -hmm. I think, um, or begets evolution, I should say. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that that most people probably have more to gain from eating bell peppers. Um, (laughs) They're a good source of, um, you know, so many vitamins and compounds that are beneficial to us. Um, and so I, I, you know, I continue to eat them. What about dairy? Dairy, I, uh, you know, I'm not sensitive to dairy, but 75% of the global adult population is lactose intolerant. I don't, I don't make the recommendation to consume dairy. Um, if you're not sensitive to it, the best kind of dairy to consume is full fat, grass fed, um, ideally fermented. Uh, you know, if you're not sensitive to lactose, there are some really good nutrients and vitamins in full fat dairy, but they're really in their most concentrated amount when the milk is grass fed. So I won't eat dairy unless it's grass fed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also try not to eat it too much. You know, gra- dairy serves a very important purpose, and that is to help a newborn 
pack on weight. Yeah. And I just don't think that it's, it's also one of the rare places in nature where you'll find both sugar and saturated fat. It's very mm-hmm. interesting that that same combination is what characterizes processed foods. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I'm not, uh, I'm not a big, I don't recommend dairy, but I do sometimes uh, consume grass fed, you know, Greek or Icelandic mm-hmm. yogurt, which I, which I really like. And, you know, perhaps some butter here uh-huh. and there. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. This will be faster. Three foods that you don't think people should be eating. All right. Well, definitely added sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. Uh, stay away from processed syrups, high fructose corn syrup, agave syrup, um, things like that. Second would be a category, grain and seed oils, canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, grapeseed oil. These are terrible for you. Um, stay away. I'm getting... So many people are trying to say that grapeseed oil is healthy. Yeah, grapeseed oil has an omega-6 to <laughs> omega-3 ratio of 700 to 1. Really? Yeah, so we we talk about the fact that today we're consuming way more omega-6 fats than omega-3s, yeah. and that's probably one of the contributing factors mm-hmm. to skyrocketing rates of chronic disease. Um, but yeah, grapeseed oil really helps to tilt the scale in favor of omega-6s with, with that ratio. What are your opinions on sunflower oil and sesame oil? Um, sesame oil I've read has a decent amount of antioxidants. Sunflower oil, again, it's predominantly polyunsaturated. Um, I would perhaps use a little bit of sesame oil, uh, for culinary purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, but Really, I, I won't go out of my way to use it. I'll try to go to to go around it because at the end of the day, even sesame oil is predominantly a polyunsaturated fat, and it's sitting around usually in these clear bottles um, in warm environments, mm-hmm. left to oxidize. So I don't think it's good for you. I will try my best to avoid it. Um, again, the only oil that I'll really uh, actually seek out to con- to add to my diet is extra virgin olive oil. Okay. Okay. Wait, I had one more, right? Yeah. That I had to come up with. Um, hmm. Okay. <laughs> Dietary uh, emulsifiers. So food grade processed food emulsifiers that are usually found in um, almond milk, nut milks, ice creams, uh, cookie, and not cookie. Yeah. Um, yeah, cookies, uh, coffee creamers, things like that. The two that I would um, definitely look on the back of your ingredients list to avoid one is called polysorbate 80 and the other is carbo carboxymethylcellulose. Mm-hmm. Um, these have been shown to pretty powerfully disrupt gut microbiota and promote inflammation, mm-hmm. um, in, in animal models, which, uh, you know, these were at pretty small amounts and the mammalian digestive tract is pretty conserved between mm-hmm. mice and humans. So, um, even though we're not identical, it's not the kind of thing that I would, uh, mess around with yeah so okay good one i like it okay besides nutrition and fitness is there any like big thing that you think is a really good i guess biohack for people to start implementing in their life man well i talk a little bit about the necessity of thermal exercise in Mm -hmm. the book um we don't do too deep a dive but i do mention the fact that you know climate control is a new invention Mm -hmm. um our bodies and brains were honed under the east african sun and so we have uh some pretty potent hardwired genetic apps that kick on when we are experiencing thermal stress 
So I talk a little bit about the new research to come out of Finland regarding sauna use and how sauna use can seriously mitigate your risk for developing dementia. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's also, um, I talk about cold immersion therapy. Mm -hmm. So whether it's taking a cold shower or doing a little bit of cryotherapy or just when it's cold out, going outside without a shirt, which I do sometimes and getting a little bit of free cryo, it's a really powerful way of boosting norepinephrine in the brain, which is the brain's uh, focus and attention neurotransmitter. Mm -hmm. There's actually a Russian holiday um, called Epiphany, where people literally dig, uh, or not dig, but cut holes in frozen lakes and jump in the water. Oh my God. And yeah. I mean, it sounds miserable, but I don't think it's a coincidence that it's called Epiphany, because yeah. doing so really makes your brain feel like it's coming back online. I mean, it's one of the few things that you can do and literally feel like a like a switch being flipped in the brain. But is that about do do you do that like in would you do that in small doses or would you like turn on a cold shower and take a really long cold shower? I do it in varying uh -huh. in varying doses. Yeah, I mean, I think just uh, you know anything from a few seconds. Mm -hmm. First of all, it just feels good. I mean, there's a it's a pretty it's sort of like drinking coffee. Like it doesn't take a study to know. Yeah that you know doing certain things makes you feel good um even though it's painful afterwards you feel really good uh -huh. generally um but yeah i mean i you do adapt and the benefits seem to increase um even as you adapt psychologically mm -hmm. um i mean for one thing the more you expose yourself to ambient cold the more brown fat you create in your body so brown fat is this metabolically active form of fat that has more mitochondria than normal fat and that fat actually burns calories and promotes uh, insulin sensitivity and metabolic health. So these are all really, really positive things. So I think that there is um, benefits to acclimating yourself to cold. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. one only need look at uh, Wim Hof, that uh, guy, the Iceman or whatever. Oh. <laughs> he's, in, he's in pretty robust health and he's all about the cold. So yeah. that's um, a yeah. good one. Okay, I'm really curious what's like a day in your life like oh man the day in my life probably you know i wake up um drink coffee drink some water if i'm doing a particularly particularly low carb um iteration of my diet i'll drink some uh water with a little bit of salt in it mm -hmm. um to help replenish electrolytes most people tend to wake up a little bit dehydrated um so i think it's good to get some electrolytes in the morning what time do you get up well, I love waking up early, but sometimes I let myself sleep in. Okay. So, I don't know. Like, I can easily sleep. Until, it depends on if I've stayed up late the night before, but I can definitely get to 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I try to wake up early. I try to wake up at around, I guess, early for me. I try to wake up around 7.30, 8. Okay. Every day. Um, and then... You know, I'll do some work, respond to some emails, think of a social media post for the day. Um, at some point, I'll break my fast, depending on whether or not I've had a workout session. So I try to work out. Um, do I don't always. Fasted? Yeah, I try to work out fasted. I don't always work out fasted. But if I do work out um, fasted, then I will break my fast. I'll usually try to include some kind of you know starchy carb in uh -huh. my post-workout meal um 
not all the time, but sometimes, um, like a sweet potato or rice or whatever. And if I hadn't worked out, then I'll only go for like the salad, uh-huh. the huge deli salad. Um, then I will hit the sauna usually. Uh-huh. Well, I'll try to time that to, to the post-workout window because heat, thermal stress seems to be able to perpetuate uh, or potentiate rather um, exercise-induced adaptation. So it seems that heat has a has sort of like a synergistic effect. Mm-hmm. Um, then after I eat, I'll probably go back and do some more work. I mean, lately my schedule has been all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'll go hang out with some friends. Definitely want to, you know, every day I try to get a good amount of sun exposure. Um, depending on if I'm shooting something for TV, I might not. I mean, every day for me is different, so it's kind of uh-huh. hard for me to to pinpoint. Um, I try not to snack too frequently throughout the day, but if I'm working at home, I end up snacking uh, with, you know, on what's around. But in an ideal world, I try to concentrate my meals to two a day. Yeah. Um, my post workout or break fast meal whatever that is and then dinner Mm -hmm. um and then during those two meals i never restrict calories i eat as much as i want i eat until i'm full for dinner i'll usually roast up some veggies have some kind of wild fish or grass-fed beef Mm -hmm. um ground beef is a very economical way of eating grass-fed beef so i'll usually make like a burger patty or something um or a steak whatever uh do you do anything to minimize your blue light exposure? Yes, I do. So I, um, when I have to work at night or if I'm kind of like watching a movie uh, with my brother, um, we share an apartment in New York. Yeah, I'll wear my uh, my blue light blocking glasses, which I have. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of those. Yeah, I think that blue light pollution, especially at night, is one of the more damaging aspects of modern life Mm -hmm. that i think we really should try to um figure out you know i mean i think night shift helps on our iphones and on our computers but it's pretty pervasive um what effects does that have on people blue light well it tells your brain that it's daytime Mm -hmm. for one so i mean your brain has a myriad of things that it wants to do as it winds down for the night um a lot of that is kicked off by the hormone melatonin which is secreted by your pineal gland They've shown that blue light significantly decreases the amount of uh, melatonin secreted, and blue light blocking glasses actually boosts melatonin by about 58%, which is more than any supplement can do. Uh-huh. Um, actually, people can go to my website, um, maxlugavir.com, and if they sign up to get my uh, supplement list, which is what you get just for free, just for joining my newsletter, I also share the kind of blue light blocking glasses that I that I use. Um, cool. Yeah, pretty nifty. (laughs) Okay, one last question. Has there been anything you've seen recently on social media or the internet that was a piece of really shitty health advice that you just want to clarify? Oh, my God. Um, Man. Well, some of the worst advice, like one thing that I really hate hearing is everything in moderation. Okay, explain. Well, I think that eating everything in moderation having a a, you know diet that was highly diversified um was probably a very beneficial thing as a Uh hunter-gatherer 
led to a broad array of unique nutrients. And I think that's ultimately what led to our development. Um, I think dietary diversity in the modern world, probably not a good thing when you look at the modern supermarket. And actually, um, University of Texas research shows that people that abide by this rule and have greater levels of dietary diversity actually consume more sodas, more junk foods, and that the healthiest people tend to buy the same healthy foods on loop. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really, um, yeah, I, I hate that everything in moderation advice. I also think that people, um, you know, like f- the modern processed foods that we are tasked with contending with are really prone to overconsumption. And so a lot of people think that it's a moral failure when they go through a whole bag of chips or a pint of ice cream. Um, and they're like, what happened? I just wanted to take like a bite and now the whole bag is gone. Well, those foods are designed to be overconsumed Mm -hmm. and it literally short circuits our brain's reward centers. And that's why you end up eating more than you ever intended to. So, I'm definitely not into shaming for that because, you know, that's not, first of all, it's not positive. And, you know, I want people to really understand the mechanism behind their, the, you know, they're wanting to consume these foods. But I do think it's important to be, to understand that and be mindful of that. So as not to bring them into the house to begin with. I think, I think once you understand that, I think it becomes really more about personal accountability. So I totally agree. Where do you recommend besides yourself? Where do you recommend people like, get trustworthy information i think um well i think all people should know how to read a study Mm -hmm. Uh, i think health literacy is really important and undervalued same as financial literacy you Mm -hmm. know i think that's that's really important for our generation and you know i'm not the person to talk to for that but that's (laughs) uh something that people really should know more about you know how to save and, and how best to make use of their of their own personal capital but um, I actually created a PDF, uh, called how to become a citizen scientist, um, that I'm giving away to people as sort of a pre-order for my book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically goes into how to read a, a research paper. And, you know, today, mo- you know, a lot, not all, but there are, you can find access to research at PubMed. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for people that, that aren't willing to go there just yet you can go to websites that publish university press releases mm-hmm. that usually have written in layman's terms what the studies are usually about so i mean a, a good example of that would be sciencedaily.com i share a lot of those on my um facebook page because they're written in a layperson uh voice because they're meant they're they come out of the university press departments um but they're as close as you can get to the study without actually reading the study and so usually that's what journalists will use to write coverage mm-hmm. on these various studies. So I, I, I recommend people go to websites like that. Okay. That's a good rec. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, why don't you just tell everybody if they want to pick up this book, what do they do? Where do they get it? Where do they find more from you? Well, it's called Genius Foods Become Smarter, Happier, and More Productive While Protect protecting your brain for life and it's available everywhere books are sold so um you can go to amazon you can go to barnes and noble you can go anywhere be sure to pick it up and then find me on instagram i'm at max lugavere 
if you still use Facebook, um, <laughs> facebook.com slash Max Lugavir. I'm just playing around. I use Facebook all the time. But, um, I don't. I'm, no? <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm definitely more active on Instagram um, these days. And uh, yeah, my following on Facebook used to be the biggest, and then my f- Instagram following surpassed it. So mm, Yeah, Instagram is where the cool kids it's are It's where the now. cool kids are, yeah. Yeah. And you're also working on a film. Yes, so I'm working on a film called Breadhead, which is the first ever documentary about dementia prevention, and that'll be out at some point in 2018. Um, but if people want to check that out, they can go to breadheadmovie.com. Um, we're also looking to raise money for the film, so if you want to make a donation, that would be amazing. Yeah, definitely make a donation. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge, and everybody needs to get your book. Thank it's you. It's amazing. So thanks again for coming on. Anytime. Thanks for having me. There you have it from Max himself. He is so incredibly knowledgeable. I'm so excited for you guys to get your hands on his book, Genius Foods. And I just want to thank him again for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure to get to pick his brain. Maybe I could get him back on. I would love to get him back on. We'll see. So make sure you get your hands on Genius Foods. Send him some love over at Max Lugavere on Instagram and his website. And make sure you enter into the epic 100th episode giveaway. I'm so excited to see your entries and to see your smiling faces when you win. All right, that's going to be it for this week. I'll talk to you again next time.